Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trending lower this morning on the back of overnight losses on Wall Street. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Welcome to Your Money with me. Joining me now to break down all the market action, Ryan Huang. Good Friday morning. Happy Friday, Michelle. We've made it to the end of the week. I know. It feels good. Let's start this Friday morning in the world of integrated resorts, more specifically with Marina Bay Sands. Yesterday, we discussed how its parent company, Las Vegas Sands, has reported a big jump in earnings thanks to a revival of its business in Macau. Well, this morning, we have more details on how its subsidiary here in Singapore is performing. What's the verdict, Ryan? All right. So let's take a look at the numbers. You've got a good set and this if earnings for the three months ending March tripling more than tripling to $394 million and that's up from $121 million in a year ago period so a couple of things the familiar ones we've been talking about the lifting of travel restrictions for many parts of the world helping to boost those uh, tourists and visitor numbers so that's a big part of it and we saw the mass gaming revenue for MBS hit a record $549 million. And overall, bulk of it, 70% of it, came from its casino operations like rooms, F&B, mall tenants, and other segments. So all that thanks to people going to MBS, shopping, gambling, and enjoying all the shows. MBS is reporting record earnings that's up more than threefold from a year ago. It netted more than $500 million. At the same time, MBS hasn't broken ground yet on its promised fourth tower or its new 15,000-seat arena. So do you think these results may push that along a bit? Yeah, it's hard to argue or hard to tell because it's more than a result. So if you look at what they announced back in February... Uh, they were supposed, of course, to have that fourth tower alongside other things, the water expansion. And this would include the hotel tower, a new development with about 1,000 rooms, a rooftop attraction, more facilities for meetings and conventions, a live entertainment arena with 15,000 seats. And of course, all that comes at a price. Mm -hmm. So you could argue, hey, maybe they've got no, more money now. But you also have the other operational issues. And in that announcement that they talked about the delay in the construction. The other factors include shortages of material, skilled labor, unforeseen engineering, environmental and geological problems, work stoppages, weather interference, unanticipated cost increases, and unavailability of construction materials or equipment. So it's a long list of well, parts that will need to go right in order for things to get back on track in terms of the timeline. So you have all these issues to be resolved before you can you know, get things back on the schedule. Well, MBS's strong earnings may bode well for its competitor on Sentosa. Analysts at Nomura have a buy rating on Gunting Singapore, and they say that MBS's results are evidence that Resorts World Sentosa's business will improve further in the months ahead. They note that MBS's strong earnings have happened despite lackluster visitation numbers from China, and that the number of visitors from the PRC is expected to grow as well. Next up, I want to switch to Keppel Corp, another local company. It's posting a jump of nearly 10% in first quarter earnings. So what is powering its business? All right, looking at Keppel, it's a 
strong quarter and you've got revenue up 9% to $2.3 billion for the first quarter ended March 31st. And looking at the details, we don't have an entire picture because it's just a business update. So no figures around net profit, but it did note that the figure was significantly higher year on year. And this was due to the disposal gain of about $3.3 billion from the merger between its offshore marine unit and Samcorp Marine. So that could be just a one-off factor. Um, So something to see if it will be sustained down the road. But going by the wider environment, you do have both reasons for uh, optimistic outlook as well as potential issues for the business because you've got the mm-hmm. economic outlook getting a bit dimmer in some parts of the world. But of course, the China reopening story could spur demand for energy as well. So a bit of a mixed, cautiously optimistic picture for Keppel Corporation. In more news from Keppel, uh, Keppel Infrastructure has signed a deal with ExxonMobil to work on hydrogen and ammonia together and specifically how the energy from the two can be used in Singaporean industries. Fascinating stuff. Let's turn to the financial sector. America's big banks have been reporting stellar first quarter earnings despite the turmoil in the banking sector that we saw last month. And now we have our first indications of how U.S. mid-sized banks are faring. They've really come into focus. So companies like Key Corp, Comerica and Zion's Bancorp, what's the verdict there? Yeah, so of course, this comes in the wake of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and all the jitters around smaller banks. Who might be next? And everyone was just asking that question and moving their money first before waiting for the answer. So the money being moved from smaller banks to bigger banks, and this was reflected in the latest commentary coming through from these regional bank earnings. So like you outlined, Key Corp, Comerica, Zions Bank Corp, all under pressure as they reported a drop in deposits alongside weaker than expected quarterly results. So in some sense, collateral damage from the collapse of SVB. And if, you, if you've um, been following some of the headlines, um, they have actually not been as bad as what was feared. So banks that have reported so far have seen deposits drop by around 2% in the quarter. Expectations, or at least those suggested by data from the Federal Reserve, were looking for 3 to 3.5%. So not as bad a drop as expected, but some market watchers are saying stocks were excessively punished. So you could actually argue that, hey, investors are overreacting. Well, sticking with the financial sector, Amex, American Express's first quarter numbers coming in below expectations. So on the one hand, I'm seeing Amex or Amex setting more money aside in case uh, cardholders can't make their payments at the same time, though. It seems consumers are still using their cards quite a lot, particularly to travel. So what do you make of American Express's numbers? Yeah, a bit of a mixed picture. Like you pointed out, you've got Amex a bit more conservative about what's to come. People may be starting to struggle with paying back some of their credit card debts. And on that front, it's raised its provisions to $1.1 billion US dollars for the quarter versus a benefit of $33 million a year ago. So it's starting to brace itself for tougher times on that front. Mm. And you talked about how it was resilient in some sense. So this is being offset by some strength 
from its wealthy customer base. So many of Amex customers are some of the, I guess, wealthier part of the population. And that is helping Amex to offset some of its weakness in other parts of the industry. So on that front, it is doing a bit more resilient versus its peers. Let's zoom out for a minute, Ryan. Let's take a look at broader U.S. markets. Stock finished on Wall Street lower overnight. The Nasdaq dropped 0.8%. The S&P 500 fell 0.6%. The Dow was in the red as well. Tesla was one of the biggest losers, dragging down the rest of the market with it. Tesla shares fell nearly 10% after the company reported disappointing first quarter earnings. Okay, this brings me deeper into the Elon Musk files. It's been quite an eventful 24 hours for Musk across several of his companies. Let's start with SpaceX. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen this video, but last night, SpaceX tried to launch a new rocket, the most powerful one ever built, but that exploded shortly after liftoff. What happened? Yeah, so this was the delayed launch and we had more drama. So it exploded a couple of minutes into takeoff. So it looks like, based on what we can tell from reports, there was supposed to be two parts of the rocket that were supposed to separate. They did not separate, and this caused the spacecraft to fail. So mm. this is um, something that SpaceX described as, as if the flight test was not exciting enough. Starship experience a rapid unscheduled disassembly before stage separation. So mm-hmm. this involves how the rocket booster was supposed to expand most of its fuel and then separate. But of course, as we've seen in the explosion, it could not. And well, here you have it. It's a mixed picture. Did it succeed or not? So I think you've got a lot of questions um, being asked if this was a success for SpaceX. And on that front, Mm -hmm. they are arguing that, hey, we actually met some of our criteria for success, which is to take off. So it is, in a sense, making some progress on the front towards, I guess, the eventual target of bringing people into space. So they are using a different set of criteria to mark what success is, in that sense. Yeah, quite a spin there. Uh, trying to define success by clearing the launch pad. In fact, Elon Musk congratulated team members, describing the launch as an exciting test launch in a tweet that he put out after the launch. He said they learned a lot for the next test launch in a few months. Uh, SpaceX has quite a reputation of moving faster than other aerospace companies and learning from its mistakes. Musk's company needs to learn quickly though because NASA is relying on it to help land astronauts on the moon for the first time in more than 50 years. All right, next up, also still in the same files here on Twitter, the Musk files. Uh, Those legacy blue checks on Twitter, the one that verify who you say you are, are now gone. Well, in most cases, unless you sign up, of course, for a paid service. It seems that the new policy, which went into effect overnight, has caused quite a bit of confusion, hasn't it? Yeah, so... I guess it took some people by surprise that the blue tick is gone. And maybe it's a bit of a stunt by Twitter to just make people get a sense, hey, you don't know what you miss until it's gone. <laughs> and then you have to pay for it, eight bucks a month. So maybe that could prompt them to start thinking about taking eight bucks out of their wallet every month to get a blue tick. And 
for now, it seems like some of them are getting by by posting screenshots of their blue tick from before to prove that they had a blue tick. So, <laughs> a bit of a, I guess, plaster over or band-aid and until they figure things out. Uh, it's been described as blue tick apocalypse. Uh, even the Pope, by the way, lost his blue check mark. But some celebrities like Stephen King and LeBron James have retained theirs. Musk has tweeted that he is paying for some people's Twitter blue accounts Ooh. personally. I mean, you know, in order for it to be relevant, it still needs that cachet of being aligned with people who are famous, right? It's quite a tough one, right? You've got to have that healthy ecosystem of content creators and then people need to trust that these are the real guys yeah. and be authentic. So you've got that balancing act. It's a bit of a cash training too, right? You want them to be there but at the same time you want them to pay. So I guess Elon Musk is helping pay some of that fees mm-hmm. at least for now. We'll see how long that lasts. Footing the bill for the credibility of Twitter so far. Alright, back to Tesla now. With its earnings coming in under expectations, Musk is promising a big leap in EV technology. The launch of a full self-driving car, which he says Tesla's going to release later this year. Later this year, what do you make of that? It's a tough one. Mm-hmm. So, we've been hearing this promise for quite some time. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the thing here is, I think there's now a lot more riding on that promise because we've seen the price cuts, six of them so far this year. And part of the, I guess, hope, I think, by Tesla is that eventually it's able to have these price cuts, get more market share, Mm -hmm. grow its customer base, and then get these people to pay for some of these services, including autonomous driving. So that subscription recurring revenue model is something they might be banking on and maybe hoping that it will come sooner rather than later. So that's something to bear in mind as well, that he's been promising this for a long time and yet it has yet to happen. So a lot of regulatory issues as well to clear. So it's not very certain if we'll actually see it this year as he promises. And yet, uh, Musk apparently pinning hopes on full self-driving as the next big profit driver for Tesla. As I mentioned at the top of this segment, this looks like it's going to be extremely important to the company because Tesla shares plunged nearly 10% overnight. What impact did this plunge have on Musk's personal wealth? Uh, It is leaving him a little less rich (laughs) to the tune of $12.6 billion. So all the drama, all the troubles, all the pain around what pretty much all we've been talking about, (laughs) SpaceX exploding, um, you've got Tesla's earnings disappointing, you've got Twitter causing a lot of confusion, and all the uncertainty around all the companies he's holding, what's happening next? Well, people just want to... Um, get their answers later and sell first. Well, they say one billionaire's misfortune is another billionaire's gain. Mark Zuckerberg is now richer than Elon Musk again. Uh, But this leapfrog is the first time that he's been able to do that in 16 months. All right, let's look away from billionaires, shall we? Let's turn to India, which officially became the world's most 
populous country this week. It surpassed China. India has a population of 1.4 billion people, which makes our next story that much more interesting. A company called Mankind Pharma is preparing to go public in India next week. It's going to be the largest IPO of the year so far over in India. And what does Mankind Pharma sell, Ryan? Yeah, as you've really set it up, it is in the right space. It makes at-home pregnancy testing kits and also men-force condoms. So it is in a sweet spot and it has a huge market share, 80% market share for those pregnancy testing kits and also a dominant market share for its men-force condoms. So IPO is going to see it being valued at $7 billion. So it's set to be the largest domestic stock offering so far this year. Yeah, I mean, talk about perfect timing on news that India's population is growing, uh, has surpassed China, the world's most populous country, is growing at a rate of 0.8% per year, by the way. And given the size of India's population and how fast it's growing, I have to say that if any country in the world has a big market for pregnancy tests, it's got to be India. We're going to keep an eye out on Mankind Farmers listing next week. All right, time now for more corporate news. It's up or down time. Let's open the books and look at IKEA. All right, I'm going with up. And Mm. it's up for IKEA because they are celebrating 45 years in Singapore. So many reasons to celebrate, including... 12-inch hot dogs for $1. You might be asking, how long is 12 inches? Dan, do you have an idea? (laughs) Well, a little bit too much, yeah. Yeah, Typically, it's the size of a foot, which is the size of a Subway sandwich. No, is that 12-inch? I think it's two foot. You can order a 12-inch sandwich, right? It's about this big. Is that too much? There's never too much hot dog. I think. Well, I agree with you, Ryan. Um, It's an up in my book as well for IKEA. It's planning a 2 billion euro push into the United States. It's going to challenge Walmart and Wayfair. I'm going to give IKEA an up on the back of that news. Really exciting. AT&T, is it up or down? Okay, let's take a look at where we are for AT&T. And I am going with down because its earnings are softer than expected on the revenue front as far as the cash flow front. Yeah, AT&T stock really has suffered its worst drop in more than two decades. It fell more than 10% overnight, so that's definitely a down. Okay, let's look at chipmaker TSMC. I'm going down as well. Mm, So more pain for TSMC, and this is around the electronic space, that slump we've been talking about. People just cutting back on demand for smartphones, laptops... And that has implications for chips, which is TSMC's specialty. So it is reporting that inventory levels are currently higher than expected and it's struggling to clear them. Clients are struggling to clear the inventory. Mm -hmm. So it's bracing itself for tougher quarters ahead. Like a tale of two quarters unveiling for TSMC unraveling. If you remember, the last quarter was good for TSMC. The current, probably not so much. So I'm giving TSMC a down. Let's look at a China EV startup. This one is called U-Power. All right, U-Power powering is way up. And this is with its market debut in the U.S. 
So UPower specializes in battery swapping technology for electric vehicles. And this is, I think, getting people excited. Mm-hmm. So much so, its debut saw its shares up 620%. Whew. So as high as 75 IPO price was $6. Goodness me. This battery swapping company made its debut in Wall Street overnight. Its shares went up and then up again. I'll give you that figure again. Upower closed up 620%. Incredible. Okay, how's inflation looking really far south? Inflation in New Zealand. Okay, I'm looking at inflation there and I would give it a down. So it is slowing down more than expected in the first quarter, suggesting Mm. that maybe those price pressures have peaked and that the RBNZ, the central bank there, could soon call an end to its aggressive tightening cycle. And that's putting some pressure on the Kiwi. Indeed. So inflation in New Zealand is slowing. We wouldn't normally be talking about this, except a lot of analysts think the Kiwis are a live test case for pretty much the rest of the world. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand raised rates aggressively and observers think that rates there may have reached their peak. So keep an eye on New Zealand's prices for an indication perhaps of what the Fed and other central banks may do as well. Okay, I am going to put on my Oprah Winfrey impression in just a while. While this is an airline booking story like no other, our last word today belongs to Herman Yip. Mm. Herman uh, runs a travel website in Hong Kong and he noticed a currency error on ANA Vietnam's website. And as a result, he was able to buy business class tickets to the US for a couple of hundred dollars a piece. Now, those seats normally sell more than 10,000 US dollars. So in total, he bought 250,000 US dollars worth of tickets, but only paid 17K. He didn't even have time to consult basically his uh, family and friends. Just went ahead, bought them tickets. It was like, you got business class, you got business class, you got business class. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. Uh, Yip has advice though for anyone who ever notices an airline error like this in future. He says, just book the tickets. What do you think? Yeah, hopefully the airline honors these tickets. <laughs> so he's bought 25 <laughs> tickets for his friends and family. And of course, at a huge steal. So... The airline hasn't actually said it will honour it for sure. It says it's still deciding whether it will. But for now, anyone who has a ticket can still travel on those tickets until they make that final decision. Oh, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't read it with my own eyes. I've never seen such cheap, cheap seats online, honestly. So good for you, Herman. Uh, we'll see whether he and his entourage actually make it onto that those business class. Uh, seats on ANA Vietnam. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.